0: Hey everyone! You're listening to the Amble, the disciple forging podcast of City Gate Ministries.
1: <laughs> and I think I told her I could do fifty. And I did fifty real quick. No,
0: you didn't. Yeah, I don't you know did that. like. You did I think it was like fifteen. No,
1: I think I did fifty.
0: I think that was the day that I hurt my shoulder.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Carmine, today is your chance to beat him. I asked I, I don't have many questions actually. Okay, staff trivia, I've asked your staff, Pastor David, some fast facts about themselves. Okay. We all oh. know staff pretty well. I really couldn't find a whole lot available today. <laughs> so our questions are a few. So, Carmine, you don't have very many chances to beat him, okay? So you're going to okay. have to give it all that you got in this right. moment. Okay, question number one. Which staff member loves the chocolate cake at Joe's Crab Shack? Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> Yeah. Is
2: this like a do I need to ding something or like <laughs> I didn't know you if I was just supposed shout to go. It out. Okay. I'm sorry. Because there that were only a clear. few staff members around, <laughs> so I didn't
1: know <laughs> yeah. if I was waiting for something.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So I'm a winning one to
0: nothing. Okay, yeah, winning one to nothing. Okay, <laughs> okay, next one. Which staff member moved to New York City to Dawn. become an actress?
2: Dawn. <laughs> Dawn? Yeah. Dawn, Dawn, Dawn,
1: Ding did ding! Did you know ding. that she
0: moved to be an actress?
1: I did not know she moved to be an actress, no.
0: I didn't I knew she lived in New York City, but I didn't know that she moved to be an did actress.
1: Did she ever have any actress roles? <laughs> did she ever get selected? <laughs> did she ever get called for a I don't casting know. call we anything?
0: should call Dawn and find out? <laughs> we should. I, should. <laughs> I don't know if we can do that. Is that possible? <laughs>
1: Call Don the Great.
0: <laughs> Let's see what she's got to say.
1: Oh, my goodness. She tried to be an actress, huh? Yes. Yeah. Hey, Dawn. We're here, we're here recording The Anvil, and I just heard some of the staff trivia that you moved to New York to become an actress, and we were wondering... Did you ever get like a call from a casting call? Did you ever get any roles? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> I didn't say that I, I worked. I worked. That there for. I see. <laughs> I All never, right. I never actually. Um, no, I did not. Did you read for a part? No. <laughs> 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 <I did. laughs> so this. <laughs>
0: be films in the place
2: that I worked
0: at, and I was going to be like an extra. An extra. That's, yeah. about, that's about the closest thing that
1: I got. I never said that I got, I was a working actress. <laughs> 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 well, you know, all stuff. Well, into the story. No, we're going to allow this conversation that I've had over speaker to go on the anvil. Uh, do I have to call you anything if you're a phone? Fo- oh, she's gone. I don't okay, know if we're
0: supposed to call her or something.
1: She's I'm sure we'll come actress. up with some
0: kind of name. Mm-hmm. We tend to do that. We do. <laughs> okay, so was that question number two? It was. Question number three is which staff member went to Hawaii and had a moment where they were able to jump like thirty feet off of a cliff right into the ocean? I'd say Matt.
2: I'm gonna say Nate.
0: Ooh, try again. Neither. Alex. No.
2: I'm gonna say Dawn again.
0: No. <laughs> <Courtney>. <laughs> she is not a, Okay, there we go. No, no. Courtney. Who's our newest staff member? Courtney. Okay, good Summer. job. Point for you. No, Summer.
2: Ah, uh, no, I'm gonna say David. Summer. Oh, I guess. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
1: She's <laughs> trying to give her husband points. It's okay. like, whatever name you say,
0: yeah. Okay, so are we at two for him and one for you, Carmine? I guess. Okay, how many cups of coffee does Nate drink a day?
2: Sixteen. I'm gonna say twelve.
0: Okay. We're gonna have to get back on that one because I have he's not replied <laughs> to my text message yet. Which staff member is least likely to reply to a text message? Nathan. Nathan, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Oh, he did reply. Ten to fifteen.
1: Well, if it's fifteen, I won. You said sixteen. Right. I said one I away. said twelve.
2: Ten to twelve, well, or ten I, to fifteen. Right. Wins. But if he says fifteen, I'm I'll... in the cone though. Oh man. The cone of
1: <laughs> <laughs> ten to 12. 10 if to it's, fifteen. If it's ten, then you would win. If it's fifteen, then I would win.
2: But he doesn't drink sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he he drinks drink, ten to fifteen. He's drink 15. So twelve <laughs> is one of those numbers. <laughs> The right you're right it's no <laughs> this isn't the, right. the cone
1: it's there's no cone <laughs> it's a, it a wrong you, number it's how many you are away from it like if i would have said when you say guess a number between 1 and 10 you don't say okay he guessed 2 and the other person guessed 9 and it was 7 oh you're both in the cone no but no you say you're <laughs> no, but
2: close but if but you were to say 15. if guess a number and your number was 3 and i said 1
1: to 4 Mm-hmm. The closest would be not five. It would be, but you put parameters on it one to four.
0: All right, we gotta wrap this up, people. We got a <laughs> podcast go. gotta, to do. Okay, yes. so all right, tiebreaker.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know how I lost that. but Okay. Um. I will now allow okay, you to win again. Okay, tiebreaker.
0: Which which staff member was walking around today and had a pair of red converse on? <laughs> Nate. Summer summer ding, ding ding it was yesterday
1: she had red ones on she
0: had them on today too she's not even here she is <laughs> <laughs> she may have come in right before both of you actually saw her okay. but i did see her okay well we tied good job everybody oh that's, a,
2: that's you... a the
1: greatest part of competition is a, a
0: tie <laughs> no i will let you win actually carmine, carmine
1: I've allowed it.
0: Actually, I think he did win. I think the point... I think you only had two, and I think he ended up with three.
1: That's okay.
2: I'll allow him.
0: The father of the church wins again. It's called
2: submission. I'm submitting to.
0: Okay, so here we go. Ready? Welcome to the Anvil, episode eight. Today, we are talking about suffering and God's purpose and plan in suffering. Basically, what does the Bible have to say about this? And so I have my husband, Carmine, here with me. Do you want to say hello and... Hi, everyone. Uh, You lead the recovery ministry at our church. I do, Ark. And I am also here with Pastor David. Uh, Hello. Carmine, you know, with recovery and you, Pastor David, as having been a pastor for, what, almost 30 years now, Mm -hmm. you've probably been in these moments with people and some of the worst moments of their lives. And so I'm sure you've seen much suffering. Um, and, And for both of you, experience some suffering yourselves personally. So... Let's talk about then the different kinds of suffering that we see.
1: Well, there's suffering that uh, is outside of your control. It's circumstances or situations that uh, you have no control over that you just have to uh, survive or live through. And then there's the other types of suffering that is by choice and that you choose things that may be unwise or reckless and out of that unwise decision. That's where a lot of uh, the personal pain that Mm -hmm. I went through was through some reckless decisions. And those are sufferings that I could have avoided, um, Mm -hmm. but through my reckless decisions had to live through.
0: So some of these people that I sit down with, some of these women, um, some of those choices, I think the thing that bothers me the most about suffering is, is when it's not your choice and it's not your decision and it's somebody else that has cause your pain and your suffering um Mm -hmm. like parents that um inflict abuse upon their children whether that's physical emotional sexual abuse and because of no fault for their own they are traumatized and struggle with things like mental illness or things like fear or just all sorts of things and so it's hard to for me even to make sense of that kind of suffering that isn't by their own choice
2: yeah I think I think suffering has always um, you know looking at it for me personally um, you know going through some struggles with addiction and dealing with people that are in addiction suffering really when I look at it denotes loss right sometimes it's a loss of something it's hardship it's pain and I think um, when talking with people in recovery there's always been Uh, looking at suffering as a loss of a relationship or Mm -hmm. a loss of health or a loss of it's 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 this this feeling of i'm i'm not in control of something and there's something that um uh, has come between there's a hardship you know that's something that has really caused me to struggle um and like you said not um Uh, not being a part of it or playing a role in that is really, you know, you see that a lot, right? Like you see, you know, people that have dealt with addictions, uh, specifically, they've dealt with a lot of those addictions because of um, uh, bad marital issues or or father issues or um, abuse issues and dealing with these sufferings in their lives that really they had no control of and now dealing... So you're
0: kind of saying because of suffering that was inflicted upon them through no choice of their own, they now make poor choices themselves that inflict suffering,
2: suffering in turn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's
0: a bad cycle. I think to be in mm-hmm. for anybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's suffering that occurs just because we live in a dying <clears throat> world, right? Sin. Well, I think
1: that, yeah, I think that, uh, going back to the former question, there's always collateral damage, um, innocent people that get caught up in the sufferings of others. And that brings the age old question, well, if God is such a great and good God, Mm -hmm. why does he allow suffering? And I think you hit it right on the head is that we have to go back to Genesis. And Mm -hmm. especially when you get to, you know, you get pre, uh, you know, chapter three, where God's original plan was instituted, where uh, suffering was not a part of the plan of God. And then we get the rebellion of Genesis chapter three, and the brokenness of the world caused by sin, and now we have the repercussions of of now suffering being a part and pain being a part of the world, and you know, and again it goes back to you know self will choices uh, that people make that don't realize that their suffering's not contained uh, to the uh, boundaries of their humanity, but uh, many times their suffering, pain, and choices affect those innocent that are connected and love them.
0: So suffering is just a part of life? Hmm.
1: I think so. Um, I think that there's scriptures throughout both Old and New Testament that tell you um, that suffering's a part of life. You yeah. know, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're in a, we we live in a fallen world, right? Mm-hmm. So because of what Pastor was saying about uh, you know going back to the Book of Genesis and the curse, right? We we see this curse that came upon mankind, and 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 so now us coming into that, um, we're, we're we're essentially born into that. So mm-hmm. that that curse is is. Is what we come into so yeah absolutely I
1: mean even the words of Jesus said that uh, you know if you're in this world you're gonna have tribulation which can be interchanged with suffering pain Mm -hmm. but be of good cheer I've overcome the world Mm -hmm. he didn't say that be of good cheer I'm gonna take away all pain and suffering he said be of good cheer I've overcome or conquered or I'm bigger than the pain and the suffering that you may have to endure
0: yeah Go ahead. Well, you you know, when
2: I think of this subject of suffering, right, we're talking about suffering, I think there's this – we're talking about – we talk about suffering, and we talk about this uh, suffering on the world, and then there's also, like, this eternal suffering, right? Like, when the Bible talks about suffering, I think – when, when you hear that word, to suffer, um, it denotes different things for different people. Suffering denotes pain. Suffering denotes hardship. But then it also denotes, the Bible talks about us having separation from God, right? And that is really like eternal suffering, like those that are not mm-hmm. saved. That is that is really the basis for eternal suffering. So there is suffering on this world, but there's also this suffering for the lost that that going back to Genesis that was the ultimate suffering right there was an alienation there was a separation from man and God in that moment and that was to me the ultimate suffering is this separation this disunion with with God in that moment in
1: Genesis go ahead well I, I think that you know that's an accurate description of an unbeliever hmm but the hope of our belief and our foundation of faith in Christ is that for a believer suffering is for a season it's not eternal mm-hmm. absolutely um, because you know with first uh, Peter um, chapter 5 6 to 11 it's it, it tells you something like this humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time you may he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered, never says that you're not going to, mm-hmm. for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to be to him be the dominion forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. So he's giving us hope even though there is hopelessness in a eternity absent from the presence of god there is a hope for the believer that in this life you may suffer a few things but it is going to be temporary compared to the eternal peace that you will find in him yeah, absolutely
0: okay so right now we're we've been in a context i feel like and maybe you guys feel differently but i feel like there's sadness all around me there have been multiple reasons for me to experience sadness Um, or depression for the past, I don't know, several months, just by seeing the suffering other people go through um, and feeling that and feeling, um, just feeling the weight of their burdens that they have to bear. You know, we have had friends pass away. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had one friend pass away from COVID very unexpectedly and the complications that came with that. And then we recently had Chris's memorial. Um, And so, you know, there's just been a lot of sadness and suffering i feel like in god's people and so you kind of touched on it already but you know where else what else does the bible say about suffering that provides me hope like what is how can i as a christian view my suffering with a perspective that actually will benefit me
2: um so second corinthians four seventeen mm-hmm. says um for our present troubles are small um and um but yet very long yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs that so really essentially that that our troubles are producing something in us our our hardships are producing a glory that for for god it's producing something else in us um it's using that those troubles are strengthening us, right? Like they're 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 producing perseverance in us. They're producing character in us. Um, and um, you know what he's saying here in Corinthians is is you know that that thing that is so small, that thing that you're dealing with that feels heavy. There's something eternal to that. It's not just this present moment. Like look beyond that moment of your suffering and see what the Lord is really trying to do inside of you in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know. Of course, Paul wrote the book of Corinthians, and he also, um, by the you know, he restates that or states it first, whichever you want to say, in the book of Romans as well. Uh, For mm-hmm. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Mm-hmm. So he's telling us that it's momentary. He's telling us that we will all walk through it, but when we uh, see the purpose the purposes of God. See, pain without purpose seems to be futile Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and um, that seems to be cruel. But when you know that um, even though we're in a broken, fallen world, that God has anointed you um, and equipped you with the power of the Holy Spirit to walk through sufferings, um, because, you know, we have to also remember that Christ suffered.
2: Absolutely. You know,
1: and if he suffered, then we are going to have to walk through momentary affliction. We're going to have to walk through. But when you see the purpose of Christ's suffering, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know uh, Isaiah says, He was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Mm-hmm. When you hear that, that's the, that messianic prophecy of Isaiah 53. When you hear about that, And then you see the plan of salvation come to fruition, Mm -hmm. you go, oh, it was worth the pain. Mm -hmm. He, Mm -hmm. He redeemed the world, you know. And I have to believe when I'm walking through sufferings that I don't personally understand that I have to believe that one God has enabled me and empowered me to endure. Yeah. And that this, that with his grace and his help, it will not be the thing that defines me or crushes me, Mm -hmm. but it will be the thing that God will receive glory through. And I always have to lay hold of when I'm as confused as I can be of why I'm going through whatever I'm going through, that God has um, a better handle on who I am than than I do because he created me. And
2: when you say that with um, Jesus suffering, I think that for me, and um, those times of suffering uh, are some of the closest moments sometimes you actually have with the mm-hmm. Lord. Paul in Philippians said, I want to know your resurrection mm-hmm. and the, pow- the power of your fellowship resurrection of of and, your and the fellowship, mm-hmm. fellowship of your suffering. So there's something to say about in our suffering that it, it, it produces this union with Christ that we can be found in him, hidden in him, be with him in these moments of suffering.
0: Yeah, and I also think that it should lead us to a place of worship and to a place of praise because it did with David. David was on the run, and if you read his psalms, they're not all happy. Mm-hmm. You know, All the songs that he wrote to God in his moments of worship, some he sounds downright depressed, some he sounds downright afraid. He was a mm-hmm. fugitive running away from Saul trying to preserve his own life and going through this darkness, and it just leads him to, into worship. It leads him to mm-hmm. this place. so in our suffering, I believe that we're called to to just fall on our knees before God and develop this unity with him that maybe without that suffering wouldn't be experienced. I don't know. Um, I think it also corrects us so. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes our suffering is because we've made poor choices. And so there's a Psalm, Psalm 119, 67 and 68 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. And verse 71 says, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So basically the hope for him was having gone through the suffering so that he could be put in a position where he would be able to honor the Lord. And ultimately, that is a life, hopefully, that's free of pain as far as we are capable of. Well,
1: I, I think that, one, I read an article one time about a person that had a medical condition that really could not feel pain. And you would think that that would be ecstasy and utopia, mm-hmm. but it actually produced their premature death because they could not feel, especially in their hands, they could not feel pain So they would put their hands because they couldn't feel in dangerous situations like when they were cooking, they couldn't feel the fire. So it would burn their skin and they would it would cause infection because they could not feel. So pain is an indicator. It doesn't always tell us that we should be sad. Mm -hmm. It is something that also protects us Uh, when we are stepping outside the boundaries and we learn through that that professor uh, that teaches so well called pain Mm -hmm. you know it is in those moments where we learn valuable lessons we say we learn it the hard way but pain is something that protects it's like when you're having chest pains it is an indicator that your body is about to maybe have a heart attack Mm -hmm. but that pain is a preemptive Uh, device that God placed inside of our body to say, I need to seek out medical attention Mm -hmm. before it becomes life or death. Pain is the thing that says my side is hurting before your appendix ruptures. So pain is not always a bad thing. Um, It it sometimes defines the boundary Mm -hmm. um, that that we need to live within.
0: So suffering produces character. Mm -hmm. It corrects us when we need correction. It leads us to a place of worship. It allows us to become intimate with Christ in a different kind of a way. And ultimately, it brings God glory. So the purpose of life can't be to just be happy all the time. Because if I was happy all the time, you know, that character that's supposed— that Christ-like character that is supposed to be developed in me, how could it possibly? Pain—like you just said, pain— serves purpose in mm. forming me into the image of christ but can you tell me if i'm in a place of suffering i need to know god's heart for me i need mm. to know what god god sees and how he feels about me in my moment of suffering
1: go ahead Carmen. well
2: i think i think the first thing is in all when we look at suffering and talk about suffering we have to change our mindset on suffering right like that suffering i think a lot of times we can see suffering as humanity as punishment or as struggle when the bible says to consider it pure joy my brothers when you face trials of many kinds right so there's this there's this uh this attitude of joy that comes Mm -hmm. with with trials and and struggles and temptations and i think that if uh, it first starts with a mind shift, like that my struggles are for my good. They're not for bad. And so I think um, God, right, he says he's a God of comfort, right? He comforts us in our affliction. I love that scripture in 2 Corinthians 1, 4, that God comforts, comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. See that in our afflictions, this God of love and comfort comes in, and uh, there's this understanding that He loves us enough to be with us and walk through it with us. Mm-hmm. That, like you said earlier, um, we can't get away from it, right? It's the, it's here, right? So struggles, this 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 thing that we we call struggle is here, but He walks through. It with us, so to know that I have a God that walks with me through it, and the purpose is so that when He walks with me through it, now I can walk some somebody else through it. That that affliction and that comfort, now I can be a carrier of with the Holy Spirit and and help help somebody else.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think Jesus lived that out in His earthly life, um, even though Scripture does not uh, contain the accounts of Joseph, His earthly father's death. We know that by culture, what he does at the cross uh, by giving care of his mother to the Apostle John was the act culturally of the eldest son caring for a mother that had had her husband pass away. And Hebrews says that he was, you know, tempted like we are, and he could feel uh, what it felt like to be. Uh, trapped in the frailty of our humanity Mm -hmm. even though he was sovereign and he was God and here is a Jesus that resurrected people from the dead and yet in all uh, evidence according to culture his dad died and he didn't resurrect him from the dead so he has Mm -hmm. a fellowship with our suffering Mm -hmm. and we have a fellowship with his suffering of knowing what it is to go through Mm -hmm. loss and I think Peter says it this way, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Yeah, we've walked through some things, and, and, you got, and it produces that character, and it also produces um, testimony. You know, everybody could sing the song to the God that gives them everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let's talk on a personal level now because uh, I get involved in the lives of uh, my son's kids and your kids. And I kind of uh, become that hoppy guy or papa. And you guys will tell me, hey, don't tell them yes all the time because we need to also develop character. And they need to know that there's a time where somebody is going to tell them no. And that no isn't always joyful. That no no sometimes causes, in my opinion, their heart pain. And I want to avoid that moment. But to build character, there has to come a healthy no. Uh That even though uh, there's things that they're not always going to get, there's things that they're going to have to learn the hard way there's things that they're going to have to experience in life um, you know that we don't want them to have to experience pain but we know that that's a part of their life you know I think Seb's already had didn't he break uh, his collarbone (laughs)
0: yeah that was so sad and
2: I'm sure that I, – I, I think that healthy no, though, has never come from you. <laughs> I think it's came from us. Yeah. Well, that's your job. Your job, is,
1: your job yeah. is to develop character. Mine is to just show the love of God unconditionally, not based on their behavior.
0: Yeah. They've turned out okay so far. So yeah. far. Um, okay. So f- something I just wanted to bring up before we close was um, – where Jesus is on the mountain, so the mount, the the Sermon of the Beatitudes is recorded in two places, Matthew and Luke. Well, Luke um, looks a little different, and I think I like the the way that Luke, the perspective Luke has a little bit better. But basically, all these people are coming to Jesus. The crowds are coming. He's looking at all these crowds coming, and he's looking at them with compassion. It says that they came to him to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. And this is the context when he sits down on the mountain. Matthew says he sees the crowds, and I don't think it's just that he was looking at them. I think he was literally seeing every need and feeling that inside of himself. And he sits down, and he begins to teach his disciples, and he said, God God blesses the poor. Hold on. I don't like this version. Can I look it up again? Yeah. All
1: right. And while you're looking that up, you know, we've talked about walking through some things as being examples or encouragement to others walking through things themselves. And, you know, when you're talking, you quoted earlier, Amy, uh, a psalm that was written by David where every day of his life wasn't a great day. Uh, He walked through some pain. And, you know, one of the greatest examples we have of repentance is through the pain of, of Psalms 51. You know, he's asking God to create in him a a clean heart. He had fallen short. He had been He had, um, participated in sinful things and he had suffered the loss of a child and there was great grief. And he was in the intimacy of his relationship with God, um, and gives us such an example of, um, of repentance. Um, even though, you know, he, he has great moments where he kills Goliath and he fights bears and lions and he's a great king after the heart of God, he still failed in areas of his personal life and he didn't get kicked out. And, and there was hope even in the midst of all of this grief and pain and hurt and suffering. And I think that if I was going to really encourage people going through things, God isn't having you just to go through things so you could be a help to others. You know, that's not his only purpose of Mm -hmm. your pain, uh, is that, oh, I need somebody to be an example. But I want you to know that the frailty of our broken world and the frailty of our humanity, when they collide, it makes the best of us um, struggle with doubt, discouragement you know, fear, anxiety. I mean, you've got people like the Old Testament prophet that said, I'm the only one left, Um, and God has to correct him and say, no, there's thousands, by the way. You're not the only one, but we see a man that is full of faith, that is suffering from a moment of depression and anxiety. We see Job after the loss Mm -hmm. of of a family member you know family members and he's experiencing grief he's sick he's not well and even his wife said Job you must have done something wrong Mm -hmm. and you know and that goes back to the point we made earlier all pain is not punishment from God or even discipline because there's a big difference between pain Mm -hmm. uh, punishment and discipline Um, you know but here you have a man that you know, has a faith to hold on in the midst of all of these sufferings to pray for friends, mm. you know, because he wasn't just consumed with his own suffering or his own needs, but he was willing to put to prayer the, the needs and the sufferings of others. So it, it, you're in good company if you're, um, you know, in a moment where you're not so sure, I preach a message called God Doesn't Judge You on Your Weakest Moment about when John the Baptist is declared to be the greatest man born of woman. It's after he sends a a contingency to Jesus to go, I'm so confused, I'm depressed, I'm in prison. I don't understand why I'm not free yet. um, I don't know why I'm suffering this pain and it doesn't seem to be ending. And I don't know if you're the one anymore. And instead of Jesus becoming offended, he said, "I want you to sit down and tell John what you see." And they go back and say, "He healed the sick. He preached the you know preached the kingdom of God, and people's lives were changed. And he was willing to go all the way to death, you know, uh, now knowing for sure that he was the Messiah." So you're in good company if you struggle with moments of, of doubt mm. and concern and anxiety and even depression during moments. Elijah
0: of, was depressed, wasn't he? Didn't yeah, that's he have the this Old great, Testament prophet. Yeah. He had uh, yeah. this great like high where he saw God move, and then he hides in a cave, and he's confused mm-hmm. and totally depressed. Yeah. yeah, he's the one that
1: says, I'm the only one left. I must be the only righteous person on earth. And God says, no, no, you're far from the only one.
2: Yeah, I think, imagine Joseph, right? Joseph was given these dreams of of being king, ruling over his brothers, gets... uh. Uh, thrown into slavery in jail uh, accused of all kinds of innocent accused of all kinds of stuff, you know, a man of faith, right? Like if, if in our suffering, we would, if, if we would look beyond the momentary, right? Like it, if we would just look beyond that moment and try to see beyond what that looks like sometimes, because I could just imagine what he was thinking in jail. Like I, I could just see his mind going like, what the heck is going on? How is this all happening? This is not what I saw. This is not what was what you spoke to me. But it was all for a purpose. He wound up saving his brothers. He wound up saving everybody. Mm-hmm. Because what, what God's purpose really intended was for him to be a vehicle to help rescue
1: momentary affliction and suffering that was uncomparable to the glory of the end absolutely so you were looking for your song
0: all right so <laughs> can i just throw out hannah because she keeps coming to my mind hannah hannah the one that prayed and cried out to god because she was barren mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Samuel's she mother. couldn't have a child and it wasn't her fault mm-hmm it was just God's decision for that time, but it caused her a lot of pain and suffering. And so I don't know who's listening that might be struggling with that, but... Um,
1: There's some real gold there in that text because when she, when you start reading the context of Hannah and her uh, inability to have children, she was comparing herself to the other wife that, could, that seemed to be so fertile. So she felt less than because of comparison. And then her husband comes to her and says, well, I love you the best. Is not my love better than 10 children? And for her, the answer was no. So that pain motivated the wailing and the prayer that was so passionate that the prophet, Eli, thinks that she's inebriated. And that she's drunk mm-hmm. and and that she's praying. And, and she said, oh, I'm not drunk. I'm just motivated by the sadness that's on the inside. And God heard the prayer. And uh, she she was able to have children. And I had a friend of mine. He is now in heaven. And his, his name was Herman. And Herman had a medical condition that made him unable to. He, he did not have the ability to have children. And he wanted to have children so bad, and he prayed, and and he wanted God to do a miracle. But when we pray sometimes for miracles, we want God to do it our way. And mm-hmm. he wanted to biologically produce a child, and God's capable of that. But there was a, you know, that answer to prayer never came that way. And then I went on a missions trip with uh, with Herman. And we went to China, and the children and the condition of the country moved upon his heart, and he became, he and his wife uh, adopted two children, and it changed their life. Hmm. He 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 got to reflect what it's really like to be Christ-like, because he redeemed them from their position yeah. and he brought life and they become his children and even though their his bloodline did not course through their veins they were never less than his children
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so in the end god provided him the joy of being a parent and redeeming someone else's life out of suffering that may not have had that opportunity to have a godly example because he had he adopted both a, a little boy and a little girl and they are you know godly children to the you know now they're adults mm-hmm. they're grown you know to this day and and so you know sometimes when we're in the midst of the suffering we want God to answer us and make the pain go away mm-hmm. instantly and sometimes the plan is for you to see like Carmine just mentioned beyond the boundaries of our personal pain and to see the glory that could be Apprehended uh, with our lives making a difference in us.
0: Yeah, because he says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, mm-hmm. his ways are higher than our ways, and it's classic Romans 8 28 all things come together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Um, but okay, so in closing, <laughs> in closing uh, we have this moment where Jesus sees the crowds in Luke, they're coming to him and they want to be touched. It says that they're coming to hear him to be healed of their diseases and all those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all the crowds sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all and Jesus is seeing this. And it says just that And when he sees the crowds in Matthew it says that he sees the crowds. I believe that he's feeling their pain, like he's seeing not just externally, but he is totally aware of every hardship that they are experiencing. And he is full of compassion. And he says that he sits down and teaches his disciples, "'Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied.'" and blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh and blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven and it's not so when you look at that verse I, what I think he's doing is he's pointing them to the character of God uh-huh. Because when people who are poor, whether it's spiritually poor and you're just hungry for God and you're hungry and thirsting, or whether it's just in you have need, the Bible tells us that God is a God who supplies. He supplies for our needs. And if you are sad and depressed, then the Bible says that God is the one who eternally will remove our sorrow. So we may experience it here, but eventually God will take all that sorrow from us and that pain Um, and this last part where he says, blessed are you when people hate you. And, you know, because of me, when you're persecuted for being a Christian, these are our brothers and sisters around the world. I've never experienced this, but it says that the Bible tells us that God is the one that rewards. And so ultimately when we are, um, suffering and experiencing this, it should move us to a point where we really get to know God and trust his character Mm -hmm. because in him is everything that we have need of
2: yeah the the reward though is him right to know him right so in Philippians when Paul was saying that earlier I want to know Christ I want to know his resurrection the power and to participate in his suffering he was just he just went through all the stuff that he had lost right all this stuff that he had lost and he said this is more that I would know him in in this way and so um you know to 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 say, how do I walk through suffering? How do I get through suffering? Well, I think there's 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 two things I would say. I would say one is reshape your mind. Like there has to be a reshaping. When he can says consider it pure joy. That takes that takes effort. That takes changing what suffering looks like and finding what the purpose is in that. So, a
0: different perspective. Yeah, you have different to have a, perspective. A good perspective.
2: Absolutely. And I think the other thing would be to know that Christ suffered just like we did, that I can participate in what the God of all creation did for me, that I can have fellowship and know that um, I can have union with him in that way, and that that would just help me to know him more.
1: And I think with my closing remarks would be going back to those two examples um, of the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet that um, was full of faith but yet found himself in a position of depression Mm -hmm. Um, you're not alone in the battle and then with hannah um, you know here's hannah that her suffering is beyond her control it wasn't a bad decision that she made it was just something that was beyond her control and as i mentioned previously about her husband saying isn't my love enough i think that sometimes when we're walking through pain and suffering We want so desperately to find any um, peace. And so we start looking for the solution being in people or things. And we find out, you know, Mm -hmm. his love really couldn't satisfy because she had a desire to be a mother. And he never was going to be enough. But when she found her fulfillment and found that dependency upon God, then He not only is, you know, you you mentioned Romans chapter 8 just a minute ago about He works all things together for the good, but you also have to remember that the end of that chapter says nothing can separate us from the love of God Mm -hmm. Mm. and not even suffering, that you're not suffering alone, that God is there, He is aware, He has not turned a blind eye. He is there to be your strength and to be your encouragement and to uh, hold you up when you can't hold up anymore. Um, It's the dependency on him that is the source of peace, not trying to find it in earthly things because they will never satisfy.
0: Pastor, will you pray for those who right now are listening and are experiencing suffering? Um, no matter whether that is um, just within the myriad of everything we've discussed today, those that are need, they need some comfort, they need some solace, they need some rest, they need some peace, and they need that presence of God. Sure.
1: Father, I thank you that I get to pray a prayer for people that are hurting because I know what it's like to be in that spot where your heart's breaking you don't understand you don't know why all of this is happening and in that midst of that confusion it can challenge our faith it could um, it's the attempt of the enemy to try to uh, make us believe that your character is less than good but it is in those moments where you and my personal life, where you have revealed yourself in such a way that when others uh, left, when I couldn't seem to find a friend, when there wasn't the right song on the radio, when this wasn't the right sermon that was preached on the Sunday, I found you were there with me the whole time. And you would never abandon me. You were never offended By me asking why, you were never um, offended by me saying, I don't understand, but your love was the thing that held me together, and I pray for those that find themselves in positions of suffering and pain. Some of the things that they may be enduring are simply out of their control, and God, they don't understand, and they haven't been uh, revealed the purpose just yet. Let them have a faith that believes that you know them. And you'll know exactly where they are and that as scripture, we have quoted uh, time and time again that the glory is going to be greater uh, than the process. So it's going to be worth it, just like it was worth you suffering on earth that we might be redeemed, that there's a greater glory and a greater revelation of of uh, our testimony because someone else is going to walk down the path that we've walked down. Father, I ask that for those that are uh, in a place of pain and suffering because of challenging and reckless decisions, like many of them that I have made in my personal life, Father, let them be reminded that uh, their behavior does not determine your love, that you love them very much, you have never left them, and they always have the opportunity to come home heal their heart, heal their mind. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Yep. Good talk. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Anvil. Community is important to us, so don't forget to subscribe and leave us a message letting us know how this episode impacted you. If CityGate is not your home church, you can find out more about us at citygateswf.org. See you next time.